Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com Info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com And we'll help you for that, so talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about something that we all normally know about, but there are still some questions that I'm receiving from it. So I decided to make a, a podcast episode just to answer those questions and maybe to, uh, to remind you that uh, there is some kind of model that is existing within uh, UMDR that cannot exist anymore, if I can say. Um, so, uh, and for that, uh, I asked Eric Volbrecht, our preferred lawyer, to come and to <laughs> tell us more about this situation. And uh, yeah, Eric, I think I think we discussed about that offline. And when I proposed you the subject, you were telling me, oh, still people asking questions about that. So it was really a, a good <laughs> thing because, yes, there are still people asking questions about uh, OEM and OBL. So OEM is original equipment manufacturer and OBL own brand labeler. And we have other names and we mentioned about that. But mainly, yeah, this is a topic that is still recurring because we have yeah. people that are waking up and saying, oh, I have to move to MDR. Can you help me? And when they present me the model, I says, but it's an OEM OBL. It's not authorized anymore, etc., etc." So can you tell us more about this OEM OBL? Yeah, yeah I can. Uh, so basically, uh, under the directives, we had this nice old interpretive document uh, that was not even uh, on the on the website of the Commission under the MedDevs, but was in this separate corner of uh, weird little documents, uh, so to speak. Okay. And that said, and that document said, well, you know, what you can do is uh, if if you want to uh, place a specific product on the uh, device on the market, which you don't make yourself, and for which somebody else already has a, a, a CE mark, then what you could do the, is uh, make an abbreviated technical file uh, with the understanding that the notified body, that your notified body is allowed to talk to the other notified body of the, uh, of the uh, uh, party that already has a CE mark. And in case they want to audit, they can audit both your abbreviated technical file and also the full technical file of the party that makes product for you under their CE mark. And that was called own brand labeling, basically. And because this was authorized. This was authorized under uh, before. Well, I wouldn't say authorized, but rather tolerated. Okay. Just like, <laughs> because if, if, if you look at the way that the law functions, this is, of course, a bit weird, huh? because the whole idea is that if you are a manufacturer, you should have full technical documentation, because otherwise, how is the notified body going to determine that your technical documentation fully describes the device and also how are you as a manufacturer going to be responsible for controlling that the device 
that you actually uh, place on the market as manufacturer is actually really the device that is described in your abbreviated technical file. That's a bit weird, of course. Yeah, and and, and the point is also that uh, when everything goes well, so there is no issue, but when there is a problem on the market, who is responsible? Is it the legal manufacturer or the person who plays the device in the market? Is it the manufacturer? Then how you can work also on that? Yeah, and that's, that's when things get really complex very quickly. And what I've seen myself is that, that markets in which you had these kind of agreements were, uh, I'm a contact lens wearer, for example, contact lenses, contact lens fluid. Uh, these were typical uh, on-brand uh, label markets where every supermarket almost had their own brand of uh, contact lens fluid and contact lenses even. Even though, yeah, I mean, they were probably not really equipped to be a manufacturer in all respects. And that is also uh, to make the little bridge uh, to, to uh, uh, that is also what the authorities in the end became a bit fed up with because they saw these parties that were placing products on the market saying, I am legal manufacturer while they clearly were not up to the task of meeting the, uh, the obligations uh, for this. So that's why they decided to to do something about that. Yeah, and and we have so just in terms of vocabulary, we have the OEM, which is o original equipment manufacturer. We have the OBL, which is the own brand label. So it means that mainly the OBL is buying products from the OEM and then they put their name on it, if I can say, and sell that. The OBL yeah. can also be called private labeler. So they are making sure. private labeling. And in the UK, they are using this. I mean, I saw that in the guidance in the UK, they are using the virtual manufacturer that they are also using with the guidance on it. So there is many terms, but it's exactly the same thing. They are, the, the people are buying products from an entity um, in, a, in a third country, and then they are placing this device on the market under their name, even if they have done nothing unless maybe marketing the products or selling, but nothing else. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I hear you say third country, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily need to come from a third country. Yeah, it often does, though, but uh, not necessarily. Exactly, and no, no, it's just just another company from another uh, another, and uh, not not really in the in a, the the one that is really marketing the products or saying that I am marketing the the product. So, um, we have so is EUMDR kind of changing the rules for that or it's like something that is separate so there was there was already something that says it's not really authorized or mdr was the first one saying no it's not authorized at all well yeah it depends a bit on how you look at it because we already uh, under the directives we already had the 2014 uh, commission recommendation that basically said uh, this this is going to go differently than it it, it already went and that 2014 uh, recommendation already says uh, if, if you have a manufacturer that, uh, that, that does not manufacture the product themselves, they must have full technical documentation so the notified body can audit and also a quality system, by the way, so the notified body can audit that they actually meet all the obligations, except that this was a commission recommendation. So that means that basically it's a recommendation <clears throat> indirectly uh, talking to the member states because the member states uh, control the notified bodies. And what you what you saw after that uh, that note after that recommendation is that notified bodies 
different notified bodies started rolling out the criteria in that uh, uh, notification at different speeds. So you saw uh, some were being quicker, some were being slower, but, but by end of, by beginning of 2019, basically uh, everybody had sort of been phased into the criteria set out in this, this recommendation. So uh, in terms of in terms of uh, UMDR now it's marked black on white that you have to be fully uh, responsible for the technical file. So it's not like yeah, you are part, partly responsible of that. Yeah, because for the MDR, that uh, one of the things was all that, that the authorities expressed quite clearly that they that no more ODL under the MDR. And what they did for that reason is that they included in Article 10, Section 8, a specific paragraph saying every manufacturer that is a legal manufacturer must be able to show uh, the competent authority full technical documentation and must meet the full Article 10 obligations. So basically, the practice of having an abbreviated technical documentation was yeah, legally Uh, prohibited with the uh, with the MDR, so that 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 is definitely a change because the recommendation, of course, recommends that this is how notified bodies work, whereas the MDR says uh, it's prohibited if you don't. So I uh, want also to make a distinction here. We we talked about uh, OBL OEM, so mainly using like a, a, a manufacturer to manufacture mm -hmm. the products. Here it's mm -hmm. only the case. What we are talking, the scope of this is mainly the case only when. Uh, you don't own the design or the manufacturing of the products, if I can say, of these products. So if you are, for example, a startup that is designing a product and then use a subcontractor, we are not mm -hmm. talking here about OEM or BL um, model. No, no, because that's, that's actually, that's, that's a perfectly allowed practice eh? because basically no uh, legal manufacturer makes the product completely themselves. They are always relying on subcontractors and on subcontractors or subcontractors uh, for this, which, and that's also why uh, Annex 9 says that if not my body is auditing uh, uh, the product and the quality system, they also have to look at the way the manufacturer controls its uh, suppliers and subcontractors for critical parts of the, uh, of the device. But where the subcontract, where the manufacturer, and, and that's assuming that, of course, the manufacturer has full technical documentation because they did the design themselves. But the cases where the manufacturer does not do the design themselves and not the production, so basically they outsource everything. In that case, the MDR says, okay, if in that scenario, you still want to be a legal manufacturer. Then you still you still need a full quality system and full technical documentation. Yeah, it's it's also that that is mainly the the issue sometimes on OEM OBL is the fact that uh, the manufacturer, uh, if I can say, the OEM has usually a CE certificate and has an ISO thirteen four eight five quality management system, so they have everything. If I can say to sell the products themselves. But the OBL, usually they are just kind of a marketing or sales uh, company. So they are buying from this company and selling, but they don't have usually the quality management system. They don't have the technical file. So it's really difficult for them to build everything from scratch 
uh, now mm -hmm. that they have, if I can say, this uh, this rule that is existing uh, with uh, with UMDR. So uh, can I there's, there's, can there's I just funny little rule in MDR, by the way, because that also says it also says in 1015 that if you have your devices designed and manufactured by uh, another legal entity, then the identity of that person also has to be notified in the UMN database, which is pretty uh, pretty pretty interesting as well. Exactly. Ah, okay. So it means that uh, you are uh, selling the product, but if it's designed by and manufactured by somebody else, you have this company has to be registered on UDAMED. Well, it's not so much that it says they have to be uh, uh, they have to be uh, registered, but it says the information on the identity of that person shall be part of the information to be submitted. Yeah, so I if agree. you submit your manufacturer uh, information for a device, then you should also submit if you have, if you are a, a virtual manufacturer, what the, uh, yeah, what your, uh, what your outsourced uh, 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 manufacturer is. Yeah, I, I remember that because I, I remember some customers that uh, were telling me, oh, on the oh, Udamed, they asked me if I manufacture, I said no, and they said, who is your, who is the, supplier who is the manufacturer of the products uh, and then you have yeah. to mention that yeah i remember that now yeah um so um if i am an oem uh, on obl so i i mean uh, if we can still use that just for the the description of i can say of this model so uh, if, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if i am that and i want them to be a legal manufacturer then i have as i've said to have a quite image system plus a technical file so exactly. can i um, can I just copy what um, the OEM has on their technical file and say it's mine? Yeah, if the if the if the OEM is okay with this, then uh, then then yes. But of course, this is not always the case, right? Because uh, uh, sometimes the uh, the uh, your uh, uh, OEM will say, well, yes, but we have our own CE mark and we have uh, proprietary processes which you typically see, let's say, for example, sometimes it's the case that the device itself is pretty standard, but then they have a very, they, they have a particular process for, for a coating on the device, for example, which they don't want to give you full access to. So it is possible in that case that, uh, that the, uh, the virtual manufacturer under the MDR uh, receives uh, a copy of the technical documentation with certain parts redacted in it, but then the agreement between the virtual manufacturer and the OEM still needs to provide for an access mechanism so that the notified body of the virtual manufacturer, because in the end they want to be a full legal manufacturer, so the notified body has to be able to audit uh, also the, uh, the redacted uh, parts. And of course, the, the, the portion of the uh, technical documentation that is redacted should not be too large because if it's too large, then you're back to the old OBL situation, basically. Exactly. So um, one thing is also that um, I, I'm, I am getting audited by the notified body as a virtual manufacturer. Um, do you think that notified bodies for sure 100% of the time will go to audit the OEM? Uh, well, that depends on uh, that. That uh, for production, yes, because uh, because they would be they would be considered a, a critical uh, critical uh, subcontractor because the whole production is subcontracted to them. 
And that's, that's kind of essential. So that means that uh, not only will they be, should they be audited uh, just the way you would normally audit production, but also they can be subject to an announced audit. Yeah, true, exactly. Yeah, yeah this is also the point here. So uh, I suppose the agreement here should be then uh, clear on the fact that uh, they can be audited by the virtual manufacturer notified body, uh, they can get unannounced audit. So is this something that also should be mentioned, I suppose, on, on, the, on the agreement with, uh, between the, uh, the virtual manufacturer and the OEM? Definitely, because, and also, uh, as we were discussing uh, uh, offline uh, before we started the recording, It's really important that this agreement, since there are also going to be audits at the OEM, the agreement really links the, techni the, the device described in the technical documentation of the legal manufacturer, links it very well to the, uh, to the device described in a technical documentation of the OEM for which the OEM has a CE mark. Because otherwise, if that link is not clear, then the notified body will not be sure that they are actually auditing the same product or the, the, that, sorry, I should rephrase, that they are auditing product described in the technical documentation of the virtual manufacturer. Yeah, I have, I have this situation with some manufacturers that are coming to me with um, this model, so OEM OBL, uh, and um, they are showing to me the technical file with uh, the um, biocompatibility report from the OEM. So the name is the OEM name and the product is not even mentioned inside. I mean, the name of the product is not mentioned inside because they have their proprietary name and they are using that on the market, but it's not the name on the product. Mm -hmm. That is uh, on the on the on the report. So there is this 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 link also that is missing. That when I receive a report from biocompatibility, how can I prove to a notified body that this report is really linked to the product that will be on the market? And this is mainly something that um, can be can be a big problem here. Yeah, because otherwise it's like writing a declaration of conformity for uh, for for a device of which you don't know if it even exists. So exactly. <laughs> No, no, yeah. I think it's why, it's why this is also something that uh, some people or so, some virtual manufacturers don't really understand because we, I, we, I tell them, you have to redo the biocompatibility test with your name on it, with the name of your product, with a picture of your product that we can see really, this is the right product, this is the right company, etc., which is making them a bit mad because they say, oh, it will cost me a lot of money to do all that. I say, yes, but I mean, uh, otherwise the notified body would not really um, accept what, what you are providing to them. So well, this is really and, something and they, that is a bit difficult they shouldn't actually because it, it's they, they should give them a big fat non-conformity in that case because otherwise how can you know that uh, that 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 one relates to the other it's it's a bit like when they come to audit you if you were like a normal legal manufacturer and then there is a biocompatibility report and technical uh, documentation and they say okay but I don't see that you've actually tested this device. And then you say, well, yeah, but I didn't test this device. It's a competitor device. Exactly. Yes. So it's, 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 many, yeah, it's, many, it's many the problem. And uh, I have also this case for quality management system. Sometimes those virtual manufacturers don't have a quality management system. And they say, but don't worry. The um, manufacturer has an ISO 13485 and they are producing the product. So then we are safe on that side. So the answer is no, you are not meeting the Article 10.9, then you are not safe on that side also. Yeah, I think it's important to make that point eh, that the, the intention of the MDR and also the IVDR actually for which this is identical 
really has the intention that if you are a manufacturer, uh, a legal manufacturer, then you've got everything. You've got the technical documentation and you have the quality management system and you properly control <laughs> all of it that happens in your quality management system. It's not like, oh, I have some people in China that are uh, ISO 13485 certified, or I have some people in the US that are certified under that standard. So uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, that's that's really, that's if, if I were a notified body, I would stop at that statement and say, <laughs> okay, bye, find another notified body. We are not going to work with you this way. Exactly. And I think this is the, the major the major problem because uh, we have uh, some manufacturers that are with a notified body. I mean, that needs to go to a notified body. But we have also manufacturers that are under class one, uh, which yeah. then there is no notified body. And then there is also, also this issue to say, oh, don't worry anyway, there is no notified body looking at my device. So I can go through it with, without any problem. Yeah. And also there, it's important that, that the MDR is really strict for uh, class one devices in that sense that it also says, I mean, all of this applies to class one devices as well uh, regarding virtual manufacturing. So that means that instead of notified body, you should read competent authority actually uh, in these requirements. And you need a full quality system for, uh, for a class one prior device. And that's Often people don't realize that actually a full quality system under the MDR, that's actually a step up from an ISO, from a bare bones ISO 13485 certification. So, so yeah. yeah. No, you have you have to have this quality management system. Uh, you have to have your technical file. So just as a reminder again, or uh, to repeat that again, um, so that you can be a legal manufacturer and sell these products. You can subcontract that, but you have to have the full control, uh, the control of the supplier, the control of the documentation, everything. So and show to the notified body that you are on the safe side or the competent authority if you are class one. Uh, because now um, I get more and more of that. So now each time I try to register a class one device in, in a country like Belgium, because I have my uh, the company in Belgium for you authorized representative, in the, mm. for, in the formula, they are directly asking, can you send me the technical file if you are class one? So it's before it was not like that. It was just, it's fine. Now it's send me the technical file if you are class one. So it's, uh, it's also yeah. something that is uh, improving, if I can say, with, uh, with some competent authority. Um, what manufacturers could also do if they're in doubt about what their quality system should look like, especially class one manufacturers, there's a nice ISO technical report that does a comparison between MDR and IVDR requirements on the one hand and ISO 13485 clauses on the other hand. And there you see that actually you need to do more for the MDR, that you cannot assume that, uh, that, that the ISO standard covers everything. Yeah, no, I think it's important to remind that. Uh, just maybe now, um, what is the solution, if I can say, for uh, what are maybe the potential solutions? If I can say I am a, man, uh, I am a virtual manufacturer, and mm -hmm. when I hear this episode, I say, okay, I have to pay for a technical file, pay for a test, pay for quality management system. I mean, then it's a budget. I didn't plan that at all. It's not something that I had in budget. So what are, if I can say, the solution for me? What are the, the choices that I have now from this point now? Yeah, and also, I am subject to market surveillance as yeah. a manufacturer. That's also that's also another small deal, actually. So, yeah, so what can you do? I mean, of course, there is. <clears throat> first, you have to wonder: Do I really want to be a legal manufacturer? Exactly. I mean, what is what is my interest in putting my name behind the little ISO harmonized factory sign, right? 
So, uh, so I think, yeah, so the consideration there is either you're, you're, you're not just a little bit manufacturer, right? Just like you can't be a little bit pregnant or yeah. uh, as my wife would say, a little bit wrong. Okay. Either you're all in <laughs> or you're all, oh, your wife says that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you can only be all in or you can only be all out. That's basically how the NDR sees it. So really think about, do I want all these obligations? And if you don't, there are enough other options. Because, for example, what you could do is you could still, and that's something that, uh, that, is, that is possible under the NDR, is you can go for an Article 16, Section 1 sub A arrangement, the, the so-called branded distribution, which, would, which does allow you to sell the product in the union under your name with your trademark on the box and your name on the box. But uh, with the OEM, who has a CE mark product, who has the CE mark for the product, but the OEM still labeled as uh, legal, legal manufacturer. manufacturer. Yeah. And that is something that you see more and more. Also, the MDR says that you need to have an agreement setting out the responsibilities there, but that is completely possible. And then you are not the legal manufacturer, but then you're just, uh, uh, yeah, basically a distributor in the EU with much less, uh, much less obligations. So mainly you say to the OEM, uh, use my brand, use my, uh, my name on the product um, and have it as a legal manufacturer. And then we, I can sell it uh, under my name. And we have maybe an exclusivity agreement here where any products Perfect. with this name, with this brand is only sold to me. And then I can uh, directly sell this product with my name on, on the product, which is something that is uh, interesting because mainly um, my brand is on the product. The legal manufacturer is not me. So it's the OEM. So they have to take the CE marking. So the notified bodies will go and check the documentation with the branded name inside when they're looking for IFU or for uh, labeling, etc. cetera. Uh, but I don't have, I can say, the inconvenient to be a legal manufacturer on that. Is there some possibility of a risk of... Uh, uh, I mean, the, the only possibility of risk, and it's why the argument is important, is that they are selling this name with, the, with this product with the same brand to other countries or other people or other things, because maybe you have a, some kind of reputation now with this brand. So it's also something that you have to have on the agreements uh, so that we are on the safe side. Yeah, and also as a distributor, it doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything anymore, right? Because you still need to do your distributor verification and yep. you still need to check whether actually there is, you think you have reason to believe that the product is non-compliant because if it is, then you need you to have to action. stop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Article 14, if I remember, 13, 14, uh, yeah. for importer and distributor. Um, importer also is an option. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's of course, that's, that's, uh, that's another option, but then, uh, then the product doesn't have your, brand on it, yeah. you don't have a CE mark for the product, but then you are basically, you could be like, for example, an exclusive distributor. And that's of course, confusing word of the uh, use of the word distributor because you are NDR importer. Yeah. Although you are the exclusive distributor for the product in the union. So if you are the party placing it, I've endless discussions about, with people about this, where they we say, Yes, but we have a distribution agreement, so we can't be an importer. Yes, you can. Exactly. <laughs> the NDR says you are. Where does it say so? Right in the definitions. 
No, really? I think, it, I think it's, it's, it's important to say that because I have also the same discussion when people say, oh, I'm not an, I'm not an importer. And I say, by law, you are an importer because you, receive okay. the, you are the first one to receive the products that is coming from outside of, of uh, Europe. Then by law, you are, oh, but I never ask for being that. Yeah, but by law, you are. It's not yeah. like you are asking. So you have to be careful like for it, this kind of thing. It's like paying taxes. Like I never asked to be defined as a person that is liable for taxes if I do this. So therefore, I will imagine myself not. Yeah, that's really exactly. exactly. And this is really a, a good thing to to have here. Um, okay, so I think we. I'm from from my side. I think we covered uh, all the information about OEM OBL, um, what it is, how, uh, what are the mainly the problems that can happen, and what you have to be careful of, and the solution that we can provide. Uh, so, is there any last thing that maybe you want to to talk to mention about about this no. OEM OBL model? As, as, as a specialized lawyer, I would. Always say really give good consideration to the agreements that you put in place. If you are not designing the product and you are not manufacturing it, or you are designing it, but you are outsourcing the production, all of these scenarios really make very good, uh, very good use of understanding what you're actually doing. So how the law qualifies what you're doing, make that clear in the agreement, make sure that your uh, supplier, so the OEM or, the, the, uh, or the, 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 uh, the party that has the CE mark for the device that they supply to you, that they know what is going on. And also if you have a notified body, uh, as I said, different notified bodies have also issued pretty straightforward and clear-cut guidelines on what the virtual manufacturer agreement should look like. So do, do yourself a really big favor and first check, am I in a virtual manufacturing situation? Yes, then make sure that the agreement also religiously follows the, check, uh, the checkpoints that the notified body has provided because otherwise this is actually something that they will audit. And if they audit your agreement and say, well, this is completely inadequate, then you have a big problem because that's basically the whole core of your, of your scheme. Yeah. So and, that's, uh, that's, and, and, and I often see that people, they send me an agreement and they say, oh yeah, can you look at this like for 10 minutes and then say it's okay. And then you have like complete garbage. Yeah. I mean, and then they say, what does it cost so much to have a proper review and redrafting? Okay, it's only only the most important agreement in your quality system. So maybe it should be sort of okay. How about that? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And this is mainly also the same experience I have with some of the customers thinking that uh, it's just a, a, a standard agreement, as we say, yeah. and they have a, and they have there is nothing really special to mark on it and say there is really thing special because you are really in a special situation. It's not the same as uh, any other manufacturer. You are really a virtual manufacturer, so you have really to be careful on all what you are writing. What are you, what are your responsibilities? What are the responsibilities also of the OEM that uh, is doing the job of manufacturing? Um, because many there is a lot of consideration, and as you said, the notified body can look at that. So um, you. It can, it can raise, I suppose, major non-conformities and maybe they can say, I will not certify you at all. So it's also something that uh, is a, a big it's, risk. If it's a competent authority for a class one product, they might just shut you down because they say, hey, guys, you should have a, a, an appropriate quality system and this doesn't come even close 
because that also requires that you appropriately control your critical uh, suppliers. And this is completely not what you're doing now. So, so shut just, it down. Just maybe one, one clear information also for people. Uh, some people are, are, are thinking that... Um, Uh, because you are class one, uh, you are in a less, if I can say, more comfortable situation. I can tell you that uh, when you have a competent authority audit, it's worse <laughs> than a notified body audit. If any competent authority is coming to your place, I mean, you have to be really worried because they can make more than a notified body because they are kind of the boss of notified bodies. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't, don't take it so easy like to say, oh, it's just we are class one. It's just a competent authority that will check what we are doing. No, no, they are, they are really serious on doing that. Sometimes they're also a little bit less trained than notified bodies. So you risk uh, a competent authority going into your quality system with a healthy dose of uh, Dunning-Kruger effect so that they think they know more than they actually do, which is also risky because then it's very hard to have a, a good discussion with them. Exactly. So, but, but definitely, uh, uh, and, and I mean, a notified body will give you a non-conformity, but a, a, a competent authority, they will give you a fine and, and a prohibition order. So that's actually a lot less nice. And depending on the competent authority, they sometimes, if they think this is a mess and patients are at risk, yeah, they will just shut your company down and they have a lot less patience with you than a notified body might have. Exactly. So good to hear that also. Um, okay, so I think yeah, we covered really all the information about OEM OBL. If you have more questions, because sometime we are doing a, a episode two about the same topic. So if you have more questions about that, uh, so oh, don't yeah. hesitate. Uh, we have also made uh, episodes with uh, Stefan Boleininger when we talked, I mean, it was two years ago, maybe when we talked about OEM OBL. So you can also go to look at that. Uh, but yeah, this topic is really serious. If you are in this business, it's really uh, something that you have to take care of. And I know uh, by experience, by because I'm talking with a lot of people uh, that are in this kind of situation that you are uh, OEM, OEM OBL, if I can say model, is a model where the OBL is not really experienced in the regulatory part, in the quality part, uh, because many they had not too much to do on that. And they have still something to do, but not too much, uh, which makes it like really difficult now when you are going to an MDR certification, because it's not the same, the same rules at all. So I hope it will be helpful for you. Okay, Eric. So um, I think yeah, we are uh, clo closing, if I can say this topic, I hope, and that everybody will be getting some really good information on how the, they can go move forward. And uh, yeah, let's see if there is an episode two about that. Um, okay, Eric. So I uh, thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.